Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, how's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode that's a compilation of all the board games that all of us content creators have been playing lately. On this episode are Dice and Dragons, The Omni Gamers Club, The Meeple Dungeon, Board and Game with Andrew B., The Tabletop Bellhop, The Cardboard Kid, Definitely a board game podcast and cardboard conjecture. And as always, please take the time and check out the show notes to the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. And as always, sit back and enjoy. What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons. And you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at Dyson Dragons, and on Twitter at Dyson Dragon. And what is it today, Julie? It's what you've been playing Wednesdays. And what have we been playing? Uh, the game has been set up on the table for quite a while. We've shared a lot of pictures on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter if you're following us. So some of you may know, but for others... We've been playing Assassin's Creed. Yes, this is Brotherhood of Venice. Designed and published in conjunction with Ubisoft, a local Montreal company. And the board game was also designed by a local Montreal company, Triton Noir. Now, there are three designers. Otherwise known as Triton Noir. Yes. There are three designers for the game, and even though I speak French, one or two of them have names that are pretty difficult to pronounce, so I'm not going to massacre them. You can uh, find out when we release our video, which will be what? day after this comes out if all goes well yes now to tell you a little bit about assassin's creed uh, brotherhood of venice it is a game for one to four players it is based on the second assassin's creed game or the third because it's more of a brotherhood so there was assassin's creed 2 then assassin's creed brotherhood i'm not going to bore you with all the details about the video game in any case it is based on that awesome franchise and what my opinion is the best games of the franchise so you are a member of the brotherhood of assassins there are different characters there are also a bunch of different expansions so you can add even more choices of characters to the game you need to sneak around the map without being detected which is absolutely key in this game you will then be fighting guards hopefully not Ideally, you'll be assassinating guards and achieving your objective in stealth and escaping before your enemies, the Templars, even know that you're there. Now, this is a campaign game. It starts off with a tutorial, then it's divided up into sections, and we went through the entire tutorial and completed the first part of the campaign. You also get a headquarters that you can upgrade. There's plenty of skill upgrades that you can get, weapons, all the type of stuff you'd expect from a game based on a video game with gear. Did I miss anything at all, Julie? I don't think so. Is there anything left for me to say? Well, I was just telling you about the game. There's plenty of things <laughs> left for you to say. You need to tell everyone what you thought about this. And I'm eager to get a glimpse as to what's going to be said on our review. Yeah, um... I didn't love this game. Uh, I wanted to. Jason's been very excited about the game. He played the video game. Uh, this is a huge box and I mean it, it it has some cool features to it it has some uh, a cool table presence um, and, you know and it's there are some uh, some cool female assassins I am um, I it got better I'm gonna say the the first campaign when we got out of the tutorial it, it got better I really I <laughs> did not know that if I would make it through after the tutorial to be very honest with you, I uh, I actually 
was knocking nails at one point. I, I mean, yes, we are tired when we play this, but I got pretty tired at one point and I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't capturing my attention and I wanted it to. Uh, it just, it wasn't. The campaign got better. Um, it's, I don't know what it is. I honestly, Jason's asked me a few times what, uh, what it is exactly about the game. I can't say exactly what it is. I think maybe it's because it's a very tactical game um, and it's uh, less about combat. There's a lot less, um, I could say, I would say flexibility, I think, to what you can do. It's, it's, there's three things and there's a definitely an optimal tactical approach to this. And I think that's maybe what, what did it for me. I don't think you're wrong, Julie, and I really enjoyed the first two missions of the tutorial because I thought it was very well done, but even myself, I found it that I was not in love with the game as I was hoping to be. Now, the one thing I want to mention is the game is very tight. Uh, we've had two, I think, very close to flawless runs where we had some very good rolls and planned out incredibly well. And it essentially came down to if we had one more turn, we would have lost due to the uh, the conditions of uh, losing the game. Also, fighting a lot of guards on a square is very difficult uh, unless you have some highly upgraded weapons and get some great rules. So there are, there are a few things that can make this game a little challenging. Now, if you really love the sneaking around aspect, uh, I do enjoy it. I'm not entirely in love with that. I think you really like the game, but I completely get where you're coming from. Now, I am seeing a lot of improvements with getting better gear and more options. Feels like everything's sort of now becoming fleshed out, but you're right about the tactical element. And I would say that this game definitely has an alpha gamer problem. Absolutely 100%. If you have an alpha gamer in your group, like stay away from this because as Julie mentioned, it's tactical. There is almost always a best way to solve it. You can almost math out this, uh, this entire game based on your statistical probabilities if you want to take a look at the dice because I think the, the failures are 33% on each die. So the, based on the, the amount of actions you have and what you're going to do, you can really figure it out. I know a couple, we did do a lot of collaborative discussion, but there was a few times where I pointed something out to you and you're like, yep, that's that's actually the only thing that we can do. This is what makes the most sense. So I guess we got to do that because you had your thing you wanted to do. And while it seemed fun, you're like, oh, you're right. That guard's going to move into me. I'm going to get detected or five of them are going to move into me and I just can't do what I want to do. Yeah. And I mean, it, uh, it doesn't leave you a lot of room for flexibility, I think is my biggest thing. And I said that, and I, I think that's really what it boils down down to for me. I don't I want, really want to say too much more because we do have a review coming out, but that's what we've had on the table and uh, we've played a lot of it. So we're, you know, we'll have a review in the next couple of days. Yeah, I think we've covered enough about the game. If you have played the game V Commandos, which is this is uh, based on, it's a reiteration of that. You should definitely check this out. If you like stealth and tactical games, you should check it out. I get the feeling now that the game will probably stick around in the collection because it's gotten better, but it's definitely gonna be going back into the box for a little bit. We have other things we wanna play. And with that being said, don't forget, keep, keep playing, playing games. games. This is Mark Uasa. And this is Daniel Winter. And we're the Omni Gamers Club podcast. The book club style podcast that talks board games and video games and a whole bunch of stuff. So uh, what have you been playing this Wednesday, Mark? Yeah, I haven't been playing a lot of new stuff. I play regularly on Board Game Arena. But let me talk about something new I have been playing on VGA. Res Arcana Lux A Tenebrae, which is an expansion to Res Arcana, which has been out for a while now. It's by designer Tom Lehman of Race for the Galaxy fame. It's really a lot of fun. It's it's a dueling, battling game uh, in the style of Magic the Gathering, but everything's in the box. It comes with a whole range of these mages, uh, which are sort of personas that each player has, and these artifacts and these sort of places of power, which act as goals for the players to pursue. Lux et Tenebrae adds a number of new things to it. 
four new places of power, 12 new artifacts, which are sort of the bread and butter of the game, and four new mages to the mix, four new monuments, and uh, two magic items, and a few new special things, uh, things called scrolls, and most importantly, demons. Have you uh, gotten a chance to play this yet? Uh, we've played a bunch of the base game together, a bit on board game arena. I have not tried any of the expansions yet. I think this was the first expansion, right? Yeah, I think it's had another one, another physical expansion since, but this is just the first. came out, I think, the, the second expansion. That's right. Yeah, it just came out about a week ago. It was sort of a surprise. It just came popped up <laughs> when I was uh, joining a, a random matchup, and I'm really enjoying it so far. The base Resarcana is fun, but it's sort of designed so tightly that there are some really strong synergies baked right into the game. And what this expansion does is it's breaking some of those down, making you reconsider some of those combinations and adding new synergies into the mix. I really like it because it's shaking things up. The demonic artwork is really nice too. The artwork was already great. But uh, it's nice to see something a little bit darker in the mix. And I'll warn you, the most frightening new card of all is called Bard. (laughs) A mix of rock and roll pirate samurai. You just got to go check out the card for yourself (laughs) if you want to check out what the Bard uh, mage (laughs) in the new Res Arcana expansion. Once again, that's Lex and Tenebrae. Excellent. How about you, Daniel? Yeah, well, I've I've played the base game as I said, and the, the, I mean the focus of that game is that it's only eight cards in your deck, and so that's, right. that's all you start with, and that's all you see for the entire game. So it's it's quite easy to to have your synergy and just focus on that. So quite keen to see how it mixes things up. Because it's so spare, any new cards really tosses up the whole apple cart. Excellent. Let's try that sometime. As for what I've been playing, I. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of solo games and games on board game arena, but I did play a couple of physical games with a friend recently. We met up to exchange some Kickstarters that we'd each collected for each other. And we got one of them straight to the table there and then, and that is Kabuto Sumo, a new game that just fulfilled from Kickstarter a month or so ago, uh, published by Board Game Tables and designed by Tony Miller. If you've seen at these like arcade machines where there's like a, a platform pushing in and out with, with a, a row of coins and like you try you're dropping coins in from above and you want the co- your coin to push all the other coins over the edge and then you win more coins in theory that's explicitly the inspiration for this game you basically got a central a circular arena and you it's a bunch of discs uh, wooden discs and you each have one bug there's various types of bugs uh that each of a bug token in the middle of this arena and you're taking turns pushing a disc into this arena and trying to push out others in the process each one you push out is adding to your collection of discs that you have to to push but you're ultimately trying to push out your opponent's bug to win the game and every bug is different they'll have uh, special abilities they have some cool thematic touches like i was playing a dung beetle uh that you start out with with small discs, and you can your ability is that you can trade in two small discs for a bigger disc, and then two of those bigger discs for an even bigger disc, and like rolling up dung into into a, into bigger and bigger discs, basically. So they all have very thematic touches, and with uh, beautiful art from Quan uh, Chai Maria, one of the immediate things that, that stood out to me. I, I love his work as always, uh, and yeah, it's a great little game. It's 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 pretty light on rules. Uh, the, the rule book isn't great it could do with a little bit of clarifications it's only like two pages basically but i mean it's it's pretty intuitive i mean the designer um came up with it basically to play with his with his son uh so it, it's very much kid friendly and i think that's where it's really going to shine is it like in a, in, a, in a casual family environment it's not something you can really overthink too much or take too seriously <laughs> i also have a copy of kabuto sumo and it's a real beaut like it's so tactile They've done a fantastic job with, of course, the art, like you said. And I believe uh, John Brieger was part of the development of this game. Him and his team have added so many new, fun new pieces. And they all look fantastic in this really lushly painted wooden tokens, which add so much luxury to it. Uh, It it really looks fantastic. So I, I applaud them for the great work that they've done on this game. I've actually had 
John Brieger and Tony Miller as guests on my previous podcast. So it was, it was great to hear all those aspects of, of that game. In fact, that may be where I heard those anecdotes about how it was designed. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's a real blast. I want to play it more. But yeah, the kids were super into it as well. Okay, well, let's play that together sometime. So we're the Omni Gamers podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcaster of choice. Our last episode was on Yokohama. So go check that out. And uh, you can find us on Twitter uh, where we announce any live streams and upcoming episodes. I've, I've been Daniel. I've been Mark. All right. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. It's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back again recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. And this week we have one game to talk about. What game is that, Anna-Marie? That game is Sheriff of Nottingham. It is designed by Sergio Haliban and Andre Zatz and published by Arcane Wonders. Yes, the Sheriff of Nottingham. So this is one of my favorite games of all time and one of our favorite <laughs> games to play when we have a, a group of people over and we want to play some sort of social game. Yeah, you get totally into character yes, in this I game. I love this game it's so fantastic. much. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's fun to I watch. I love, yeah, getting into character for this game. <laughs> um, so if anyone hasn't played this game, uh, the way it works is every round somebody is going to be portraying the sheriff. Yes. So you're yeah. going to be the sheriff of Nottingham and everyone else is going to be portraying a merchant and those merchants are trying to bring their carts of goods into nottingham yes and in order to do that they have to get past the sheriff and the sheriff is going to be checking for contraband as you are bringing your carts into nottingham yeah, he gets to decide who he's gonna um check for contraband yeah. or not so when you're the sheriff, um, well, okay, I'll say when you're one of the merchants on your turn, you're gonna have you're gonna start the game with six cards in your hand, and these cards are gonna different be, goods like apples, yes. cheese, breads, various chickens. different things, and also contraband. Yes, where there's like crossbows, pepper, pepper, and there was uh, silk, pepper. Yeah, there's uh, weapons and something else. Yeah, but and I love how pepper is contraband. Yeah, there's some strange <laughs> ones for sure. And you, so the whole point is that you're going to take some goods and you're going to put them in this sack representing kind of your cart. Bluffing game. Yes, it's a major bluffing <laughs> game um, where you are going to submit your your sack, your little, yeah, sack to, yep. to the It is a legitimate pouch that yeah. you've got that you put your goods in. And the sheriff is going to decide whether or not you are telling the truth because you're going to have to claim what is inside there. So I'm going to say I have three bushes bushels of apples you never say it like that oh, the three of the finest bushes bushels three of, apples. of the finest bushels yes. of apples you will ever I taste do, i do get right into it <laughs> and uh and it's up to the sheriff to decide whether they believe me or not yes and if the sheriff is kind of on the fence about believing me or not they can say i don't i don't think i believe you but i could be persuaded and you could you could flick a few coins towards the sheriff. And Here, you I could, got a little something special yeah. for you. <laughs> and, and the sheriff could, but mind you, if the sheriff does take your bribe, you you do get to pass. So they can't yes. take your bribe and then check your stuff. So they might let you slip through, thinking, oh, I think he, the, this this person's probably only got one small piece of contraband. I'm gonna I'm gonna let him through, but I'm gonna take a bribe from him. And then once everyone's passed their bag through to the sheriff, and the sheriff is either said I'm going to check it or not, then the the people that made it through are going to reveal what was inside their bag, and you'll see whether or not they were telling the truth. And if they were telling the truth, usually it's just like, if it was three bushels of apples, you would just show that, yeah, I had the three bushels of apples, and you put those into your little, beside your player board, yes. where the apples go, and, yeah. and it shows you how many of apples you have now collected and each each uh, card of, a, of various goods are worth different amounts of different point values gold basically gold, yeah. points towards the end of the game but if you manage to slide through some contraband which are the red cards they, you don't show it what its value is and you kind of slide it yeah and they're worth a lot board. more their point values yes. are quite high yes but that's <laughs> the flip side of things so if the if the sheriff were to have checked said, no, I'm going to inspect this pouch. And the, the sheriff goes through and inspects your pouch. If you were, if you're telling the truth, 
the the sheriff has to give you money. Has to give you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Has to basically pay a penalty uh, to you of what they. Basically, basically it's like uh, wrongfully accusing them. Yes. So but he's then, paying a price for if it. the sheriff was correct and they find contraband in your your stuff, you are going to have your contraband um, confiscated. Confiscated, and you are going to get penalized. Yes, and there's a, a certain number on each contraband. the The higher the value of the contraband, the higher the, the, penalty. the, higher the penalty. Yeah, yeah, and so you're <laughs> you're just doing this, and then once uh, the person has been the sheriff. The, the next turn, somebody else is the sheriff. Yeah, it and goes just turn, around yeah, in around order. around the table until everybody that's playing uh, has, been, has the been the sheriff. Or everyone's been the sheriff twice. Yes. And then at the end of the game, you will go through and you'll count up the different uh, items. So there's the apples, the chickens, the whatevers. And you're going to find out how many points you have in each one of those. And there's going to be bonuses given out to whoever has the most of any one single of the, the normal goods. Yeah, I think it's like the highest and the second highest get yeah, like king get, and queen points. Exactly. They get uh, bonuses, bonuses for having the most of something or the second most of something. Yeah. And then you get major points for all the contraband you've been you've been sliding through through yeah. the game. And that's really it. And the coins that you've bribed each other with. So you're going to have a little pile of coins there probably from people bribing you when you were the sheriff. It's just a ton of fun. You've got people saying, you know, th- th- when the whole table gets into it, and it's like, what? Yes. You're not going to check that pouch? Yeah. That is totally, that's, that's all contraband. <laughs> exactly. What do, you, what do you mean you're letting that pass? I wouldn't let that pass. That's ridiculous. I know. And then you start, exactly. You <laughs> and then start everybody's doing it against you. And, <laughs> trying to point fingers at yeah. everybody. And Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> this game is some of the most fun I've ever had playing a board game. Um, and this is one of the best social games out there. It's fun. It's just, yeah. yeah. Especially if you can get into, you know, get into it like that and yeah, and I try to make I it try light to like, and fun. I try to try to kick off every game doing that, and then more people get into doing that kind of stuff, and it's just it's great. It's hilarious. Yeah. The game it's a good is atmosphere. excellent, and w- honestly, one of my favorite games of all time. And uh, <laughs> there's a second edition out there. We don't have it. We don't. We have I the don't. Old, the old version. I, I don't know what any of the differences are. But I don't know if we need a second edition. I think no. this one functions for I'm us curious just fine. What the differences are, but I, I, I honestly don't know. don't know what they are. Maybe there are juicier apples in that one. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe some more spicy contraband of some yeah. sort. But I don't know. But no, it, we've been playing that Sheriff of Nottingham. Fantastic game from Arcane Wonders. Arcane Wonders. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But uh, that's it for this week. We got to run. We'll see you next week. Cheers. See ya. Hi, this is Andrew Buckholds of BoardingGame.com, and I'm here to talk about what I've been playing this week. This week, I'm going to talk about the free games I ran at the San Diego Historical Games Convention, an online convention that took place this weekend. The convention as a whole saw a lot of demos from designers, plus panels on various topics of interest to those interested in historical gaming. It also saw a lot of participation from finalists in the Zenobia Award, which is a really cool initiative to improve diversity and representation in historical gaming. And beyond that, there were also demos from people like me who didn't design anything of note, but just were trying to spread their love of particular historical games to a wider audience. Over the weekend, I demoed free games, Hands in the Sea, Colonial Twilight, and Rebel Raiders on the High Seas. Hands in the Sea was first published in 2016 by Nightworks Games. It's designed by Daniel Berger, with Jamie Noble Fryer and Naomi Robinson as credited artists. There was a follow-up second edition in 2018 from Nightworks, and it came with an upgrade pack for people who own the first edition. Uh, I personally own the first edition and the upgrade pack, but I think either the first or the second edition is a good choice for people looking to get a hold of this game. I should also say that I ran this demo on Vassal, and there's a tremendous Vassal module for this game programmed by Judd Vance. It comes with a lot of automation, and that makes it incredibly easy to track the different actions involved. So what is Hands in the Sea? 
It's a deck-building war game inspired by Martin Wallace's A Few Acres of Snow. If you've played A Few Acres of Snow or any of Wallace's follow-on titles, such as Miftopia or A Handful of Stars, you'll have a lot of familiarity with the mechanics in this game. I think the general concept of deck-building war games is interesting, as it takes knowledge of what you might find in a Euro game about deck-building, such as Dominion or Star Realms, and applies that to more of a conflict simulation. And I think Hands in the Sea does that particularly well. Hands in the Sea is about the First Punic War between Rome and Carthage, and it does a great job of simulating that conflict, particularly when it comes to the fighting over Sicily. As with other deck-building war games, when you settle or conquer a location, that location winds up in your deck, and you can then use it for either symbols or connections in future rounds. Hansen C is a great take on the deck-building war game, and I think it's one that a lot of people should check out. The second game I demoed at this event was Colonial Twilight. Colonial Twilight is the seventh volume of the coin or counterinsurgency series from GMT Games. I've talked about this series on this podcast before, including with Liberty or Death on August 11th and with Falling Sky on September 8th. Colonial Twilight covers the struggle for Algerian independence from France from 1954 to 1962, and it's designed by Brian Train. Something that stands out about it is that it is a two-player coin game, the first and, uh, to this point, the only one with that player count. And I think it does an excellent job of reinterpreting the coin system for two players, especially in its initiative track, which gives you tough decisions every turn about if you want to take a powerful op and special activity, or if you want to just take the event and continue going first in the next round. Colonial Twilight was designed by Brian Train and was first published in 2017, with art from Chishu Nuieto and Roger McGowan. The last game to talk about here is Rebel Raiders on the High Seas, which I already discussed on the August 11th edition of this podcast. Rebel Raiders on the High Seas was first published in 2013 by GMT Games. It was designed by Mark McLaughlin, with editing and development from Fred Schachter. It has map art from Mark Simonich, counter art from Charles Kipler, and card art from Roger McGowan. Rebel Raiders on the High Seas is a card-assisted war game, and I think it's quite cool as a game that tries to depict the strategic implications of the Union and Confederate naval struggle during the American Civil War. And I think Rebel Raiders is fun because it both gives you a glimpse at the strategic picture for both sides, but also the tactical picture, with various cards that provide specific advantages for specifically named ships. Beyond the games I ran, I had a great time at SD HISCON watching other gamer designers' demos and listening in on various panels and on various chats with personages of note in the gaming industry. I think that SD HISCON is just an excellent place for anyone interested in wargaming. The digital conventions there have been a real boon to those of us who aren't near to San Diego in normal times, and when they get their regular real-life convention up and going, it may be a fun thing to go to for anyone interested in these kinds of games. Thanks for listening. I'm Andrew Buckles. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Buckles, B-U-C-H-O-L-T-Z. You can also find my board game writing at boardgame.com. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. If you've got a question for me, all you have to do is email me at questions at tabletopbellhop.com. Visit our webpage and click on Ask the Bellhop or hit me up on social media where I can be found everywhere as Tabletop Bellhop, one word. 
Now, the question I'm answering today, of course, is what you've been playing. This past week, while I did have a lot of play sessions, they didn't feature a lot of different games, with us playing a lot of the same games multiple times. Nope, this is not a bad thing. Now, the first of these games is Land vs. Sea. This is the latest game from Good Games Publishing, a company we've been working with for a while now and whose stuff we really enjoy. Now, Land vs. Sea is a tile-laying game that reminds me a lot of Carcassonne, but just the city-building part of Carcassonne. Every tile is split into land and sea segments, and in general, one player scores based on completed land areas, and the other player scores based on completed sea areas. There are also some advanced scoring systems like coral reefs and mountains, waypoints and trade routes, as well as rules for playing three and four players. Now, we've actually played this game the most at four players, and I am shocked by how well it works as a team game. This is mostly due to some communication restrictions and having to use your waypoint counters as one of the only methods to communicate with your partner. Now, the one thing we haven't done yet is try land versus sea with three players. This adds a new cartographer role, which is something we hope to try this this coming week. Overall, so far, though, we are loving land versus sea, and this may just be our most popular tile laying game yet. Next up, we got in a single play of Star Trek Expeditions. This is a game that's been on my shelf of shame for far too long. This is a cooperative board game based on the modern Star Trek movie series that uses WizKids patented clicks figures. Though note, it's not compatible with Hero Clicks. It uses them in a different way. Now, this game looks at Star Trek from the perspective of an on-planet mission, where you're forming away teams and beaming down to work on and solve three distinct problems on a planet while dealing with a Klingon battlecruiser in space. Gameplay was solid, though a bit math-heavy. The game is from Rainier Nitzia, after all. It really does feel like playing through a Star Trek movie or episode, and we had a lot of fun playing this game. My problem, though, is replayability. There's only one story here, and the three problems you have to solve never actually change. While the game presents different difficulty levels and some branching paths down each problem type, you're still playing through the same story on the same planet over and over. Due to this, I can't see playing this one again anytime soon. It's going to take some new players or enough time before plays for me to be interested in giving it another shot. What this game really could use is an expansion or two to breathe some new life into it and add some variability, but sadly, I don't think the game did well enough to warrant that. Now, that same game night that we played Star Trek, we also tried Super Motherload with four players, and I've got to say the game is much better with four than it was with two. With two, the game works. It was okay. Um, We burned through the achievements really quick, which didn't quite feel right, but it, it was fun. But I didn't feel a strong need to play it multiple times. I was honestly ready to put the game on the two cell pile, and I'm glad I didn't after playing it with four. It was much more enjoyable at the higher player counts. Now, the most unique game we've been playing is a prototype of a card game called This Didn't Happen. This is a time-traveling game where you are trying to prevent an apocalypse by using your time machine to travel through three different eras, the Medieval Era, the Great War Era, and the Lunar Era, and you're going to be enacting changes on the timeline to try to prevent the apocalypse without causing other ones. Now, the neat bit here is once you change one spot on the timeline, there can, and usually is, a cascade effect, and it's actually rather hard to do the deduction to prevent your change from creating more problems than it solves. Now, the learning curve on this one was a bit steep, and the designer still has some work to do on the rulebook and clarity of the rules, but there is a rather fun and fascinating game here. Now, I'll be sharing even more thoughts about this one on our live show tonight on Twitch. So join us for that, or just check out our next podcast when it goes live for more information on This Didn't Happen. Now, my most played game this past week was the Adventuria Adventure Card Game from Ulysses Spiel. This is a card game set in the world of The Dark Eye, or Das Schwarz Aug, Germany's most popular pen and paper role-playing game. These plays included checking out the Veil Dancer hero set, which included a new character and a short adult adventure. While the character, Karima Aljamila, is a fantastic addition to the game, and the adventure was mechanically very sound, The story was very much not what we were expecting and definitely won't be for everyone and definitely not for kids. Check out our reviews on this one to find out a little bit more detail if you're curious. We also tried out the long adventure in the Forest of No Return expansion for Adventuria, which led to our first actual failure in an Adventuria story. We were surprised to learn that when you fail in a multi-act adventure, you actually have to start over at the first act 
which makes total sense thematically, but man, can it be a real downer when playing. I have to admit, we cheated, and we just played through the second act a second time as if we didn't fail while playing the other. Now, I just shared my full thoughts on this expansion on our last podcast, but I will say if you dig playing Aventuria cooperatively, this is well worth picking up. The new hero is a lot of fun, Hilbert of Owen, and the three-act adventure is great, though hard. As for the short adventures, I got a little bit more to say on those, and those, meh, they're a little rougher than I would expect. You'll have to check out the review for the full information on that, though. Now, over the weekend, we played even more Adventuria, this time with our friends Tori and Kat, where we played through the long adventure in the Ship of Lost Souls. This is the second adventure expansion for Adventuria. This was a fantastic three-act adventure with some really memorable combat. The new female warrior character is really solid and thankfully different enough from the dwarf blacksmith that it doesn't feel like you're just playing the female version of the same character. Now, we've still got a short adventure to play from that box set, and I'll be doing up a full review once we get that in. Probably, possibly as early as next week, but probably the week after. Finally, the last game I played this past week is Walking in Burano from Renegade Games. This one comes from my pile of shame, and I've been looking forward to trying it for some time. This is a very tight, small card drafting game, all about building the colorful buildings of Burano and Venice. It's quick to teach and learn, but features more depth than you would expect. What I found most interesting here is that there's so many different ways to score your, your set of five buildings that it's impossible to keep track of all of them at once, which forces you to focus on a smaller set when trying to set a path to victory and strategically plan out your turns. I was really fascinated by the amount of options and just how overwhelming it can be. Now, we played this one two players, and I look forward to trying it with more. That's it for my What You've Been Playing list this week. Be sure to check out TabletopBellhop.com and our weekly podcast, which we record live on Twitch Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, and which drop Tuesday mornings at 2 a.m. You're also to join us Sunday for brunch at 1 p.m. on YouTube. That's an unscripted show where we talk gaming and geekery. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzano, Tabletop Bellhop. Good night and game on. Cardboard Kid. If you don't know me, I'm 11 years old and I've reviewed games on YouTube since April 2017. I've close to 300 reviews, plus dozens of interviews and features. My latest was The Key, Murder at the Oakdale Club, but I've been taking a break because of school and other things. I'm coming back soon though, so I've been working hard on getting some plays in and some videos recorded. This episode though isn't about what I've been playing, but what I haven't been playing. I was sick last Monday, so I was doing what you've been playing Wednesday's feature, so I'm doing it this week so I didn't miss out on the fun. Catacombs is a lighter game I've been wanting to try for some time. My parents keep talking about it. We have the huge box with all the things in it, so of course it's going to catch my eye. I've played a bunch of flicking games before. Sorry Sliders was an early one I enjoyed, and Flick Fleet is another. But the reviews and theme and look make me want to play this soon. A heavy game I really want to try is Lisboa. I played Mercado de Lisboa a handful of times this week, first to enjoy it, and second, I decided to review it. I now want to see this family weight game is similar and different to the full Vitale Asserta Brain Burner. I've played Escape Plan and On Mars a few times before, so I have some experience with those crunchy strategy games. I really need to get back to my graphic novel adventures collection, especially since it's grown to nearly fill an entire Kallax cube now. Specifically, I want to jump back into the Sherlock Holmes cases. I played and reviewed the first few, but the Irene Adler one is calling to me. The expansions I've been dying to play are those for Everdell. I like the base game quite a bit, and we have all the expansions, but those haven't hit our table. One has an axolotl. Why haven't we used that yet? Anyhow, seeing as these add even more decisions and weight to an otherwise light medium game, I'm certain I'll like them. That's about all for now. If you want to see photos and updates on what I'm playing, follow me on Twitter at Cardboard underscore Kid. For video reviews, check out my YouTube channel, The Cardboard Kid. Please stay safe. Happy gaming!
Ron Millich. And I'm Royce Calverly. And we are definitely a board game podcast. A podcast definitely about board games, except when they're not. And Royce is here live with me in my room. Royce, what you been playing on Wednesday? I got to go to a game day. I got to go to a game day. I got to play lots of games. He got to go to a game day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds less celebratory when you say it. Yeah. yeah. What, did yeah. You, what did you play at the All game right. day? Well, one of the games I played at the game day was a game called QE, or quantitative easing, mm-hmm. which is a very fancy financial term that I don't understand at all. <laughs> but it makes a really interesting game. So this is an auction game. Yeah. And it's different from any other auction game I've ever played in that there's really no set value for anything. So you're playing as a country or the EU, which they just basically say is another country, (laughs) and you are bidding for 15 companies and you're trying to buy out these 15 companies and you can literally bid anything you want. You can bid $1 or you can bid 16, 17 billion, gajillion, zillion dollars. It's not a number, but okay. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah. And if you bid the highest, you get the company. And every company is worth a set number of points. Plus, if you get certain kinds of companies, you get bonus points. If you have too many of the same company, you get extra bonus points. Everything is bonus points. Nice. So you want to get as many companies as you can. So obviously, you're going to bid huge and giant numbers. You know, 52 zillion, billion, billions. But I feel a butt is coming. Big butt. Yeah. If you spend the most money, Mm -hmm. you lose. Right. I thought that was coming. It's just such a weird concept. And if this was just done, you know, randomly, it would be too insane and random and wouldn't be worth playing. But the way it's done, one person leads the auction and they put a number face up and everybody gets to see that initial opening bid. And you can bid based on whatever that bid is. And then the person who did that opening bid gets to see all the bids, Mm -hmm. write secretly down who won and hand them that the company with the amount they paid on the bottom but no one else knows what the winning bid was right so you know approximately kind of maybe where it is you know you will get to see i guess three of the of the 15 right uh auctions so you'll have some little tiny guess but that's it it really is a fantastic experience it's just a really weird game i've never seen anything like it a lot of fun and, Ro- and royce loves auction games I do, yeah. So this is right up his alley. It does sound cool. So you're literally just writing like like on a piece of paper. You're well, no, you have a little like a, it's like a, it's a check, and you use oh. a uh, erasable marker writing on the check, and then you hand in your check, and then that's very yeah. cool. It's it really well good. done. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I played a game that's nothing like that at all. Excellent. And it wasn't on a game day. It was on Halloween day. I played. A game from Prospero Hall, Funko Games 2020, called Last Defense. Uh, I have lots of good things to say about this game. I can see a lot of people loving this game. Uh, I did not. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. This is not my kind of game at all. It's extremely stressful, very <laughs> anxious, uh, high energy. So basically what's happening is you're uh you're playing cooperatively but you have individual turns where you're rolling dice and you're uncovering rubble and trying to find items to face all of these aliens that have hit your town and they're showing up in the schoolyard and at the hospital and all these places and you're trying your best to meet with other players and give them things they need to destroy these aliens Okay, but it doesn't sound stressful. Here we go. All right. This is the first time I've played a game where analog meets digital. You have to download an app and you press play on the app. And the good thing is, you know, this game's only going to be 20 minutes long because it's a 20 minute long thing of music, very suspenseful music that gets faster and faster (laughs) as you go. And it's like, news bulletin, the blob has now landed in the schoolyard. And so you have to move the blob to the schoolyard and all of a sudden you have to go after that and try and get rid of the blob if you have the right stuff. And then just as you're about to get there, sometimes the aliens move away and now you gotta change your, your strategy, move somewhere else. It's extremely tense, extremely um, anxious, like I said. Um, 
And that's not my kind of thing at all. This sounds awesome. Yeah, see, yeah. it's more his thing, <laughs> not my thing. I like cottage garden where he's like quiet, you know, it's just beautiful day. This was, but it was fun. Um, and what I liked about this being a co-op game, uh, it didn't have that alpha player situation because you're all taking turns and rolling dice and more helping each other than all trying to do this one thing at the same time. Right, right. So it checked all the boxes as a really good party co-op, easy to learn. And with this new thing with the app being played at the same time, it gave it a new twist. Uh, I just didn't like the uh, ang- the music, <laughs> the anxiety. We lost the first time, won the second time. Uh, a lot of fun. Definitely recommend it uh, if you like that sort of thing. If you, you know, aren't afraid of your own shadow. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a fear thing. It's just, I like to be calm, Bryce. I like to be calm, damn it. I don't believe you. Otherwise, you wouldn't host a show with me. That's, that's a fair point. Speaking of hosting a show, we do have a show called Definitely a Board Game Podcast, which you can check out. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a whole bunch of really cool places. Listen to our episodes. We talk about these games at length in those episodes as well. And if you ever want to talk to us, definitelyboard at gmail.com, at BoardDeftly on Twitter, at DeftlyBoard at Facebook. And we also have a guild called Deftly Board Game Podcast on Board Game Geek. We can find us there. Anything else, Royce, before we go? Not a thing. Say goodbye, Royce. Goodbye, Royce. Bye, everybody. Hey there, it's Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And uh, like we always like to do, let's see what the community has been playing uh, at the the Bridge City Board Gamers Facebook page. And uh, first up, we have Jason. And Jason said that uh, we played Quicks, Calico, Castles of Burgundy, Celestia, Hadrian's Wall, and Point Salad this week. That was a very busy week. Uh, Quicks, very cool. Calico, uh, oh, was, that Calico is one of my uh, becoming one of my favorite uh, abstract pattern building games. Castles of Burgundy, oh, a classic, classic. Steffenfeld, Celestia. I've never played Celestia. Hadrian's Wall. Uh, I understand that it is a, a fantastic uh, kind of roll and write, uh, cascading kind of game, very much like uh, Fleet the Dice game. So. I've been told by Dave from uh, Board on the Air that this one would be right up my alley. And Point Salad, I mean, you can't go wrong with Point Salad. That's such a fun game. Jeff uh, has, says he had not too bad a week of board games, so let's have a look here. Cascadia, Honey Buzz, Lisboa, My Farm Shop, and Terraforming Mars. I think it's Aries. I think it's the Aries game. Yes. Uh, Lisboa, yeah, we've been talking a lot of Vital uh, back and forth with some friends. I think this week uh, we're going to play Kanban, so I haven't played that one in a long time. And I haven't played Lisboa in a long time. Vital Lacerda, fantastic. And Cascadia, I think Cascadia is the, uh, as I talked about before, ca- uh, Calico being a very, fanta- a very good, uh, fantastic abstract game. Cascadia takes that one step further. I think it's coming from the same design studio and... Uh, and publisher, uh, Flat Out Games, uh, who are becoming uh, kind of a favorite here at uh, uh, the Cardboard Conjecture podcast. So cool. Well done, Jeff. That was a good, good lineup. Uh, Marianne has Cylon or Ceylon. Ceylon, I think. Uh, looks like a really, I've never heard of it. Looks like a really cool tile laying kind of pattern building Maybe uh, maybe networking. I'm, that's yeah. This looks really cool. I believe, as if I'm looking at the board correctly, that it is uh, thematically connected to tea. So if there's any fans of chai, um, this might be right up your alley as well, thematically speaking. Uh, right on. That's great. Travis tried out a few hours worth of Cuba Libre. Thought it was okay. My brother loves it. Not sure if it is the game for me. It seems like it takes forever for you to be able to do something a little slow moving for me. 
Uh, edit also played Dixit and just one at a birthday. Um, yeah, well, that's a GMT Cuba Libre GMT game. It is the uh, the card driven um, uh, system. Uh, so and um, the coin, it's part of the coin series where you have like the counter insurgencies. So if you're very much into the whole CIA kind of a th- uh, uh, thematic planning, that game will definitely be up your alley. And it's GMT. GMT sometimes says it's soloable, but understand though that it's soluble to the point of where you're going to have to do a lot of uh, uh, yes and no. If it does this, then go this way. If it does that, then go this way. So there's a lot of time involved in, in that game. And a lot of people uh, love it. Um, a lot of people, uh, it, it takes a lot of, I was, we, were, we always talked about the idea of cognitive load. Take The GMT games take some cognitive load to uh, prepare, but once you have that in your brain, you're good to go. It's just it's just that it's just that homework part. <laughs> uh, Tim, Century Gollum, Endless World. Uh, yeah, it's part of that Century series, the resource trading. Um, the Gollum, I understand, is uh, just a thematic change, and uh, so yeah, right on. Uh, also, Tim says Warhammer Underworlds. I think that's a standard, and uh, I'm look at he's got some pictures here, and I'm looking at some 40k, and they've got some terrain. So it looks like a lot of canyon stuff. Right on. Love the miniature stuff. I haven't gotten into that because that just sounds like a whole lot of money. Uh, Hans, Terraforming Mars. Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. Um, two different games. Casc- uh, Ares Expedition, I understand people tell me that's the, uh, that's the San Juan to Puerto Rico kind of relationship. So um, I might... I might try that out. It, it, it's kind of uh, interesting. Uh, Cascadia, Honeybuzz, and Lisboa. So I, I think some people were playing together here. So yeah, Honeybuzz, that, that game looks great. I just don't, I haven't researched it. It hasn't kind of uh, been put in, in front of my face. So I'm going to have to look that up. Eli just started Mad Titan campaign in Marvel Champions and Concordia. Concordia is a solid game. Absolutely solid game. Um, if you like Catan and you want to take that whole Catan su- style, similar system to the next level, I'd suggest Concordia. That is a very good, uh, very good, you know, wide sweeping kind of game. Tyler played Imperial Spells and Steam, Lost Runes of Arnak, and Grand Austria Hotel. I enjoyed all of them. I enjoy. Uh, very much enjoy Lost Ruins of Arnak and Grand Austria Hotel, but I've never played Imperial Spells and Steam. That, um, this, the title is intriguing. Cool. Jonathan, Rising Sun and a solo game of Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Nice. Viscounts of the West Kingdom is the third in the trilogy. Um, I believe there's Architects of the West Kingdom, Paladins of the West Kingdom, and now Viscounts of the West Kingdom. And all three games utilize different mechanisms and i have paladins and it is out of the three i think it's the heavier of all of those games so uh, i've not yet played um i've not yet played uh, viscounts so it intrigues me and of course the the completionist uh in my brain is kind of trying to (laughs) stay away from that uh garth has been a busy week for me sprawlopolis many games of dune imperium uh, after seeing the movie, yeah, I would I would be fired up for that. Played half of the second campaign of, of for uh, Under Falling Skies, which is the dice version of Space Invaders. Awesome, so much fun. Lastly, my son's new expansion for Shards of Infinity. Ooh, ooh, sounds cool. Sounds very cool. Uh, Ryan of Cardboard Conjecture and Bridge City Board Gamers. Got in a bunch of games, Dollars to Donuts, 10, Flesh and Blood, TCG, and Rift Force. That is a, <laughs> that is a breadth of different kind of games. Well done, well done. That's an Omni game selection, I believe. Uh, John, Oceans. Oceans, cool, yes, yes. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about that. Um, I be, uh, I'm not gonna not gonna go too conjecturish on this, but I, uh, there's a connection between I think um, 
oh, I can't remember, like the land species version of this. The title's not popping into my head right now, and I, I know that there's people yelling at me right now, so I'll just carry on. So John, well done. Oceans, Brian, Between Two Cities and Nexus Ops. Ooh, Between Two Cities, that's a really good, if you have a lot of people, that's a great game because there's a lot of dynamic cooperation that goes on. And it's a competitive game, but you have to work with your neighbors in creating the cities that, uh, that kind of border the, the physical space between you and the others. You're all sharing cities and, and you score, I believe you score the lowest one. So you've got to, you, you can't dump on one and, and pump the other. You got to keep this in balance. So there's a lot of fun decisions to make and a lot of interesting negotiations with your neighbors in regards to what tiles you're going to pick for the, for the buildings. So yeah, oh, that's a great, that's a bunch of great games. Um, myself, uh, I had the opportunity to play um, Sierra West, uh, designed by Johnny Pack and published by Board and Dice. Uh, Board and Dice coming up with some solid games, solid games. Now, Sierra West uh, picked it up because uh, Johnny Pack also designs Coloma and Coloma I, I'm, uh, the, from the solo. And I'm looking at this from a solo perspective, right? So they all play one to four. Um, and so uh, Coloma was, uh, as far as the theme goes, um, he likes his, the, the, Cala, the, the Pacific Coast uh, kind of uh, turn of the century Wild West is um, where he has his comfort zone in theme when it comes to design. So uh, Sierra West, same uh, idea, gold rush in, the, I believe, the Sierra Nevada mountain range um and uh without looking at geography i think california (laughs) yeah i'm i'm so apologetic right now um so yeah it is this concept of uh uh in the in the late 1840s uh pioneers that headed west to seek you know the the you know the the fame fortune opportunity and uh the the solo play is is I think I'm very curious on how, uh, how, how much more depth I can get into this game because my first impressions were fantastic. And what it is, is you have uh, uh, two trails and these trails are identified through cards that you use uh, to put into your tableau. Now, what really got me, um, once I started unboxing this and looking at the, t- uh, the player uh, tableaus, it was very similar to Le Granja, when you would slide your cards under your player tableau, and the way the cards were punched out, uh, like with fingers kind of thing, hiding certain parts of the cards, would re- where you put your card would reveal uh, the different uh, geography of the card and, and the uses of the card. And this one is the same way, but it's on the top, and you're cre- it's all about the beautiful scene of the mountain ranges. So uh, the, whoever, let's see the artist, uh, Jacob. Oh, I'm so I'm going to apologize right away for for mispronouncing. But Jacob uh, Fatanowski and Michael Jugaj. Wow, I'm so sorry, gentlemen. <laughs> um, now the art was fantastic in in immersing you into this theme. Because, yeah, like I said, these cards go down and they create, on the bottom of the cards, they create a uh, path, a dirt path, and a sort of mountainous uh, uh, grassy path. And both these paths have sometimes similar, sometimes distinctively different uh, actions that you can take on them. And how they relate to the the, the, the board tableau is the board tableau, again, um, has a track with your wagon that can continue across from left to right. But above that, this is where the genius part comes in because this is the card drafting uh, for your player deck. Um, and it is the cards are laid out in such a fashion that they're overlapped from bottom to top, um, creating a mountainscape which each card represents a level as you start to uh, ascend the, uh, the, the, the summit of the mountain because the summit of the mountain uh, are where the two cards are revealed. Any card that's not covered up gets revealed and you can go and uh, uh, trek for it and potentially uh, capture, well not capture, but uh, um, explore this area and take the card and put it in your deck. 
That is also the timer for the game because their specialty cards, depending on, and I'll put a pin in this on, on the theme, uh, depending on what mo um, module you're using, the cards uh, themselves are the timer because there's uh, five different cards out there that once you re reveal the last card, which goes down onto the bottom of the trail, which provides resources. It's so in-depth. I love this game so far. And uh, so, yeah. It, uh, it's, so, it's so much fun. There's so much to think about. There's so much to do. And like I said, coming back to that pin, there's four modules. There's four different micro-thematic uh, games or like campaigns or whatever you want to call them that you can, or scenarios that you can explore. So there's a lot of game to be played in this. And uh, I am having so much fun. There's so many um, intelligent um, um, decisions to make. Uh, that just basically turn your game from left to right and from, uh, you know, up to down kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I highly encourage anybody who, uh, if this sounds interesting to them, uh, if you like your card drafting and you like your, your, your uh, um, agency in regards to what you do and how you do it, this is up your alley. And it plays, one, like I said, one to four. So the solo mode, I'm having fun with the solo mode, definitely. Uh, yeah, so that was Sierra West by Johnny Pack and uh, Borden Dice. And uh, that being said, wow, that was a, this, this turned out to be a fantastic episode. And uh, um, thank you for listening. Thank you to all of the content creators who uh, always collaborate and, uh, and put together some fantastic material. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. This can't happen without you. And uh, as always, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?